So just by way of reminder, if you are joining us for the first time, or if you need reminders like I do, remember Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to primarily the church at Colossae. However, um, this letter was intended to be circulated in the neighborhood there of Colossae, Laodicea, Hierapolis, which is in modern-day Turkey. And remember, Paul is writing from prison in Rome. The pastor of this church in Colossae came to visit Paul and began to share with Paul the amazing things that God was doing in the church there. And uh, it really encouraged Paul. Paul was thankful, grateful, um, not only for the work, but for the people of the church as well. But then Epaphras began to share with Paul also that there were some problems that they were facing in Colossae, and much like some of the problems we face today, and, and that is false teaching and um, false teachers and heretics um, that would try to deceive and try to uh, infiltrate the church or infiltrate our hearts and lives with, with error and deception. And so Paul has never really met these people, but he has a concern for them. And so what does he do? Not only was he praying for them, but he writes this letter to them. And remember the first two chapters, he reminded the church and reminded us of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's important to be reminded, is it not, of who he is and what he's done for us. It helps us keep our bearings straight. It helps us stay the right course, stay the right direction. And really, um, Paul gives them truth. And we need to know the truth in order to, to be able to discern between right and wrong. And that's why it's so important we know our Bibles. Amen? That we're able to discern truth and error and, and recognize uh, what is false and what is true. And Jesus himself said the truth will set you free. And so we need the truth of God's word hidden in our hearts. And it's what we make our meditation as well. And so the last two chapters, though, you remember the Apostle Paul has now kind of changed gears, if you will. And he's, he's trying to help us to make application now in our lives what it should look like as we follow Jesus. And if you were here last week, we talked about marriage. We talked about uh, the family unit as well. Were you guys here for that last week? If you weren't, um, it, was, it was a rough, it was a little, a little rough, right, for some of us? It was, it was a good rough, though, yes? It, was a, it wasn't me roughing you up. It was the Holy Spirit, right, bringing what he needs to bring into our lives to help us, right, to make adjustments in our homes and, and also in the workplace and in school also we learned. And now Paul is going to discuss our prayer life and how we relate to those people that don't know Jesus Christ. And so let's check it out together. Look at verse 2 with me. We finished right where verse 2? Okay, verse 2. I'm going to read down a couple verses. Paul writes, God says in his word, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, well, what's your prayer request, Paul? That God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so let me draw your attention real quick to verse 2. Paul actually gives us three kind of uh, 
I don't know, three helpful reminders concerning prayer. And the first thing he gives us is to continue earnestly. And that word, it's interesting in the Greek, it means to battle forward. It means no retreat. It means to keep pressing on, to keep going wholeheartedly, full on. And and I would say, um, number one, be faithful in prayer. Don't quit is what he's saying here. Um, If you are into anything, make sure you're into prayer. Prayer is absolutely crucial. And this speaks of intensity in prayer. It is to be a priority in our lives, not a backseat issue. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount to his committed followers, which would be us this morning, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. And so um, we should be identified this morning as people of prayer. And so that the text then begs the question, what is prayer exactly? What is prayer exactly? I would say a simple definition is, is communicating with God. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has made it possible for us as his children to come boldly before the throne of grace anytime, anywhere, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, we have full access to our Father. In fact, remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He said, when you come before God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the one in control of everything, when you come before him, you say what? Our Father. You call him Dad. You come before him. And I don't know about you, as we were singing that song, aren't you amazed by that he loves us? And he, do you know he loves you this morning? And he desires that we would come to him in prayer to, to not only talk to him, but listen to him as well. So conversation, a healthy conversation involves talking and what else? And listening, correct? If all you're doing is talking, the other person never gets a chance to talk to you or communicate to you. And so our God primarily speaks to us through his words. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And so we have, we have if you will, 66 love letters right here in our hands in God's word where he wants to speak to us, to minister to us. And so we are to constantly be in fellowship and communication with God. And so we can come to him and ask him for things. We can come to him and ask him to influence our lives. And just like that prayer, though, we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And then what's the next part? Thy will be done. And so what that means is I'm saying, to my father, father, here's what I'd like to see happen. Here's the way I would like it to roll out, but I want your will to be done in my life. And when we say God's will, it means his desire or his choice. Lord, here's what I want, but I know your choice is best. I know everything that you do is righteous and true. Everything you do is right on, Lord. So I'm gonna leave it with you. And those who leave the choice with God Listen, he always gives the best to you. He'll give you the best. You leave the choice with our heavenly Father. And I would say um, it is foolish not to be praying. Well, let's talk about prayer for just a Shall we? <laughs> Do I need to speak in King James English? Flowery. Do I need, you want to talk about King, King Jimmy? Oh, greatest Father. Thouest, would you thouest bestow upon me 
Is that how we should come to him? Is that how you want your kids to come to you, by the way? Do you want your kids to come to you that way? Oh, gracious daddy. <laughs> Would you give us, us thou a cookie? <laughs> is, that how you want, is that how you want your kids to talk to you? Do, do they talk to you that way? Maybe, maybe that's cool. I don't know, in your home. But it's like, Dad, hook us up. Give us some cookies. I, listen, when my kids were little, this is going to tie into the message, we would be driving like to San Antonio to visit my sister or driving, and um, they would begin to ask, hey, we want to go to Chick-fil-A. And then it would be like, Dad, can we go to Chick-fil-A? Dad, can we go to Chick-fil-A? And then the two or three start to, right? Dad, can we go to Chick-fil-A? When are we going to Chick-fil-A? Dad. And then it would turn into a song. Dad, we're going to Chick-fil-A. Dad, when are we going to... And, and, and Luke, Luke's nonverbal, right? He's clapping his hands to the whole thing. Is that because they twisted my arm? Or because I love them? Because I love them. I want to bless them. And that's right in line with what, hey, we need food. We need to get some food. And it was communicated, and I, and I loved hearing from them. They didn't need to twist. Do we need to twist God's arm? No, he just wants to hear from us, to spend time with us. When you love someone, you want to spend time with them. When you care about someone, you want, correct, am I correct about that? You want to talk about them. You want to talk to them and spend time with them. And so, by the way, there is no reason to feel inadequate when you're praying. Because not only, listen, there's help. Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. He's helping. And the Holy Spirit is also interceding as well to help us and lead us and direct us in our praying. And so let, can I encourage us to let the Lord know your heart, to be real with him? If, if we learned anything studying together the book of Psalms on Wednesday nights, it's be real with God. To communicate your heart to him, to tell him everything. To not hold back. Do you like phony in your life? Do you like someone to be phony with you? No. Does anybody? We don't, do we? God doesn't want phony with us. He wants real for us to commute. He already knows what's going on, doesn't he? He knows what's going on in, in our lives. He's intimately acquainted, and he cares. He cherishes you. He loves you. He wants to be intimately involved in your life and to talk to you and to lead you and to guide you. And so... Um, we're to be, and so Paul says we're to continue earnestly to be, to be uh, faithful, to be continual. And you know what's so beautiful too? Psalm 141, David writes, I think it's the second verse, that our prayers rise like incense. What is that all about? You guys ever burn incense? You guys burn it? You quit? Stop doing that stuff? <laughs> New Year's resolution, no more incense? But like, like I used to burn incense all the time. I sometimes do still. And it it's cool because it smells good, and it gets attached to you. You begin to smell like the incense. And you know, when the, our prayers rise, our Heavenly Father loves the smell of our prayers, and it attaches to his heart. That's glorious. It rises like incense to him. And by the way, praying um, together um, with one another is absolutely vital, but make sure you're privately conversing with God. Jesus said, listen to how beautiful this is. It's in uh, Matthew 6, verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret 
will reward you openly. Isn't that good news this morning? Our Heavenly Father wants to reward us openly, but he wants us to spend that time with him in a special way. And then, so notice the next thing he says in in the same verse. So we're to continue earnestly. Number one, be faithful, be continual in prayer. And then second is being vigilant in it. What does vigilant mean? What's vigilant mean? Crickets? Careful, yeah. It means to be awake. It means to be watchful. It means to be alert. It's a, listen, it's a military term that's being used here for a soldier who kept his watch. We've got some military people here, don't we, this morning? If you fall asleep on your watch, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's very, thank you, it's very bad. We mallow, right? Very bad. It's no good. In fact, remember what Jesus said about watching? Didn't Jesus say something about watching and praying? Took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Special time to pray with the Lord. And he told them to watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is the flesh is weak. So part of our prayer in being vigilant, being watchful, is to keep us from temptation. Correct? Is that correct this morning? Is temptation good or bad? It's bad, right? So prayer helps keep us from temptation. And so it helps us to keep watch out for ourselves and watch out for others as well. In fact, in that Our Father, don't we pray that towards the end? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You guys remember it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I'm saying, Lord, I know temptation's coming my way. I know that temptation wants to take me out. The enemy wants to take me out. Lord, would you guide my steps? I need your help. I'm weak. My flesh is weak. I acknowledge that. Just like you said, Lord Jesus, direct my steps. I will keep cautious and be responsible in prayer, being vigilant. And then notice the last thing. What does he say? What's the last component? With what? With thanksgiving. So be continual, be, be faithful, be continual, be watchful. And then the last thing is with thanksgiving, with gratefulness. And by the way, being thankful before the answer even comes. Did Paul include thanksgiving a lot in his teaching? He said we are to be thankful. It's how we're to live. It's how we're to pray with thanksgiving. Listen, this morning, without thanksgiving, we lose perspective of God. Without thanksgiving, we lose perspective of God. In fact, God warned the children of Israel when they finally came into the promised land and experienced all those blessings they neither deserved. It was all God's grace, right? When they came into the promised land, God said, don't forget where the blessings came from. Don't begin to say, oh, it was because we're so wise, we're so smart, we're so great, we're so powerful. Because it's the Lord that did it, that you would give him thanks. And that keeps us, in a pl- it keeps us in a good place, doesn't it? 
when we, when we pray and we thank the Lord. Um, without thanksgiving, we lose perspective of God. And when we focus on what's wrong and not on what's good, we get a warped perspective. When we're not thankful. Remember, where's Paul writing from? He's writing from prison. And he began this letter with thanksgiving. He's encouraging us to pray with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, us, thanksgiving helps us um, maintain perspective, reminds us that we are blessed, reminds us, you know what, Lord, thank you that I'm your child, that no matter how gnarly the situation, you are working all things together for good. Thank you that you've begun a good work in me. You're going to see it through to completion. Thank you, Lord, that you have gone ahead to prepare a place for me and you're coming for me. You're coming for us. Thank you, Lord, that I can rest in your care, that if I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, you promise to take care of me. Thank you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know you're going to work it out. I'm thanking you ahead of time. Listen, prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. There's one amen. Thank you. Philippians 4, be anxious for for nothing. How much is nothing? Zero. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, you guys know this one, by prayer, is it up on the board? It's up on the board. (laughs) But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. To who? To God. And the peace of God which what? Surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is that a good promise? Because we, we drop our guard, don't we? We let down our guard sometimes. But he's saying you stay in that place of prayer and thanksgiving and God's peace, you're going to have that. In fact, we learned a few weeks ago that it's his peace that should be what? Should be directing our lives. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And so Paul talked about this to to Timothy. When Timothy was pastoring the church in Ephesus, Paul gave Timothy a pastor's handbook manual. It's called 1 Timothy. And you know what the first thing he told Timothy to get the church to do? What was the first thing he told Timothy to get the church to do? To do what? Get a good website? Get good programs? Form some committees? Take some votes? What did he say? You guys remember? That's okay if you don't. I'll remind you. 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is like crucial. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. How much is all? All men for kings and all who are in authority. So we don't have kings. Who would that be for us? You can say his name, Biden. (laughs) It's okay to say that because we should be praying for him. You know what I'm saying? Because who was the president at that time for them? Caesar Nero. How was Caesar Nero, by the way? He was brutal, killed Christians. He was terrible. Paul didn't say, hey, get a sticker for the back of your... Chariot, Nero's a zero. (laughs) And go viral on him. Send around jokes on the internet. 
Did he? Did he say? And Pelosi and all the rest in authority, Schumer. We're to be praying for them, guys. Jesus died for them. To be praying, and it says to give thanks. Why? Listen to the why. This is such a good promise. That we, that's you and me, team, may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Does a quiet and peaceable life sound good to you? No? You like drama and loudness? Is, does peace and quiet sound good to everybody here? If you want a life of peace and quiet and godliness and reverence, then we need to be not only a church, but also to be a people that are praying and giving thanks for everybody. That's glorious. And Paul reminds the church of Colossae, reminding us this morning about prayer and saying, thank you, Father, thank you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but you're going to work it out in your time and in your wisdom and in your righteousness, and I can rest in that, and I can have peace in that. Prayer works, doesn't it? I don't know how it works, but it works. And so I ask all the time, you have not because you, you have not because you ask not. You know, I ask for everything. For you guys, I ask for everything. I pray every day for you guys. I ask for everything. And, and that's what the Lord says. You have not because you ask not. So I just keep asking, keep knocking, keep, keep seeking him. And so, because I don't want to miss out. That's why I want to ask. And if it's in line with his will, boom, he's going to do it. And so why don't we pray continually? Why don't we pray earnestly? Why don't we? Think think about that for a minute. Why don't we pray that way? I mean, anybody here, no no show of hands, did you make a New Year's resolution? How's your last year's one doing? Not too good? Some of us make New Year's resolutions to what? To get in shape? To exercise? I couldn't believe it. I walked yesterday with Tanya, or with the kids with Tanya, and it was like packed. I've never seen the place I walked so packed. It's like, where are all these people come from? They're New Year's resolutions, right? To exercise, to... Listen, prayer is a spiritual exercise. It takes discipline. Because there are three enemies that we face as Christians, correct? The world, the flesh, and the devil, correct? The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's our first enemy, our flesh, right? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, Jesus said. And then the devil wants to keep us from praying. You guys know what I'm talking about. So you're like, okay, I'm hearing you, Mike. I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to get in my comfy chair at home. And I'm going to pray. And what happens? You got your, you're ready, you're dialed in, right? And you go and you get in your lazy boy or your chair. All right. What did Pastor Mike say? Oh, yeah. Wait, okay. Our Father, Father, Dad. We can call him Dad. Yes. And then you wake up and it's all wet, you know? Because it's a spiritual battle. And all of a sudden you get hit with a fiery dart with sleep potion on it and you're wondering what. But if you got the ball game on and you got your munchies, are you going to fall asleep? No way. You're dialed in. You're focused. You're disciplined. I can't can't miss a 
I can't even miss the commercials. Hopefully not. Because it's an exercise, it's a battle. And the enemy wants to keep us from praying, to keep you and I from praying, because God works through prayer. Well, I can't find time, Mike. I can't find it. Is time lost? I just can't. Where did time go? I can't find it. We all, listen, we all have 24 hours, don't we? We work a certain block of time, we sleep a certain time, we eat, maybe going back and forth, but then there's discretionary time that every single one of us has, correct? By discretionary time, I mean there's that extra amount of time for you to use at your own discretion, any way you want. And you have a choice what you can do with that discretionary time. And I would encourage you, maybe, as not a resolution, but maybe, maybe to ramp up your connection with the Lord. Maybe spend, maybe spend an extra amount of time reading your Bible and praying. Where do you think you'll be a year from now? Yeah, you throw in an extra half an hour. Where do you think you'll be spiritually? Man, you'll be starting to see God do some stuff, and you're, you're keeping a little journal on prayer requests, and it's like, oh, wow. The Lord does answer prayers. Look what he, look what he did in our family. Look what he did with our kids. Look what he did with the prodigals at church. You know we have prodigals at the church here, by the way. Can I encourage you to pray for them? Our outreach, praying for the outreach. Oh, and then you hear, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with this outreach, but I'm thanking you ahead of time. And all of a sudden, you hear a good report from, from Brian and Cynthia wired about how awesome it goes. And that's the Lord working. He opened a door gloriously for us. Amen? Jesus said, men always ought to pray and not lose heart. We lose heart sometimes, and Paul's encouraging us, don't give up. Be vigilant. Eternal issues are going on all around us. Did Jesus pray? Jesus prayed, didn't he? Busyness drove him to prayer. Daniel, remember Daniel? He was a high government official. He set aside three times every day to pray, and everyone knew it. Don't interrupt me this time. I'm having my time of prayer, seeking the Lord, seeking his face. Well, that's enough on one verse. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's Paul's prayer request. Look at verse 3. And isn't it beautiful Paul's not ashamed to ask for prayer? Are, are you ashamed to ask for prayer this morning? Can I encourage you? Always after service, we have people up front here, right after that last song. Some of us, maybe you're embarrassed, maybe it's whatever. You can come up and ask for prayer. If Paul... Paul asked for prayer. Isn't that amazing? Here's Apostle Paul, and he's asking for what? He's asking that God would open a door. Look what it says. It's a twofold prayer, that God would open to us a door, provide an opportunity to do what? For the word of God, to share the word of God. Specifically, what does it say? To speak the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? Christ in you. Remember back in chapter 1? Verse 27, it is, chapter 1, verse 27. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Jesus would do what? He would come, give his life for us on the cross, suffer, die, be buried, rise again on the third day, ascend to heaven, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he would come into your heart and to live with you and to never leave you nor forsake you. That's, that's good news, isn't it? It's glorious. And Paul's like, would you please pray for us that God would open a door for us to share the message that we're in jail for. Look what it says. For which I am also in 
chains. Pray for me that I would preach the same message that got me in here. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, pray for us that we get sprung from prison. Pray for us that, man, that our needs would be supplied. Pray that I'll be able to preach the word to share Jesus, the hope of glory. That's why I'm in prison. Pray, pray that I would do what really matters. This is so, this is, for me, this is amazing what he says here. Did God answer that prayer? Is that a prayer that God answers? It is. Do you remember how God answered that prayer? Paul was in chains. Who was chained to him? <gasps> Roman guards. That got rotated out. They were, they were doing shift work. Like every four to six hours, they had a new batch of guards come in. And what do you think Paul talked to them about? Who's the no, number one Roman gladiator on the circuit? Who's the best chariot driver? Is that what he, he may have? He may have used that as a bridge or a catalyst to share the gospel. But he started to share with those guys. Those guys were chained to him. He's got, right? But he prayed, notice though, he prayed that God would open the door. Because we can try to bust down some doors, can't we? When I first got saved, I tried to bust down every door. I'm going to huff and puff and blow this door down. You're going to hear about Jesus. I don't care what you think, what you say. And it was like there was no prayer involved, no being led by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, listen, is already working on the other end in that person. Jesus said the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And you begin to walk with the Lord and realize these things and realize you're just turning that person off. Nobody ever did that but me. Pray for, pray for all those people I jacked up along the way. But, but it's like you learn, you know what? I can be patient. Patient evangelism. To connect with this person, to help bridge the gap, to help them to see who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them. And so prayer is absolutely crucial. And what happened? Paul began to share with these guards they ended up getting saved. Some of them actually went back to Caesar's household and began to share. And Caesar's household, people in Caesar's household began to get saved. People that may have been otherwise unable to be reached except that way. And God used them. Can I encourage you guys that pray, pray that God would use you right where he has you at work. Instead of saying, this, situa this situation is terrible. I'm in chain. I'm chained to this place. The old ball and chain. Maybe your perspective, you change your perspective and say, Lord, would you open a door for me right here? That way, the time I'm spending, I'm going to redeem the time, which we'll say, see in just a moment. I redeem the time that you've given me in this place. By the way, the Lord has you there, by the way. You know what I'm saying? The Lord has you right where, he, right where he wants to use you there. In the school that you're at in the workplace, in your neighborhood. Why? Because he's working on the other end. He's planted those people there because he wants them to come to know him personally. And he wants to use you. Did people share with you? Or did you just pop out of the womb knowing Jesus personally and just having a stellar walk? You had people minister to you, did you not? That shared the good news, that shared about Jesus, that shared the word of God with you? 
And the Lord wants to use you and me the same way. That's why he's left us here. We'd be his witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we'd be his witnesses no matter where he leads our feet. And he supplies the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit to get it done. He hasn't left us as orphans. He's given us everything we need to be successful in that calling, gang. The question is, we need to step out as he leads us. Amen? Second part of Paul's request. Look at verse 4. Second part is that what? That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, and so that I would reveal or, or um, unveil what needs to be communicated the way I should communicate. Speaks about how we communicate, and also as I, as, uh, as I ought to means I see this as an absolute necessity. I need to share. That's God's will for my life, to make disciples, to preach the gospel, and so the importance of communication. Um, in other words, pray that I would communicate it well. Pray for me that I'm able to share this in a way that is clear, that I'm able to explain this. Please listen this morning. We need the Holy Spirit to take the message and work in a special way. I need you guys to pray for me for that. I pray, I pray that every time I teach. God, please help me to, com- to communicate your word in a way that hits every heart in the way that you intended to. Like Samuel in the Old Testament, it said God was with them and God did not let one word hit the ground, but all hit the target. That's a great prayer to pray for people teaching the word of God, to pray for those that are ministering the word of God and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I need you because what we say and how we say it is absolutely crucial. Please notice Paul viewed sharing the word of God also as an absolute necessity. Pray that, my per- pray that my present circumstance would not keep me from sharing the word of God. Because listen, sometimes we're in difficult circumstances and we don't want to share. We're suffering. We're going through difficulty. The last thing I want to do is share with anyone else. Does anybody happen to anybody else? Like when you're sick? You guys ever get sick? I'm, for me, I'm the worst. When I'm sick, you don't want to be around me. I lock myself in the room, nail down the door, don't even come near me. But it's like we can be that way with the gospel when we're going through hardship or difficulty, when God wants to use us in our suffering. That's when it becomes real for people. They're saying, look at what they're going through. And they're still serving Jesus. They're talking about how great Jesus is. They're thankful for what Jesus is doing. Wow, what are they tapped into? That is amazing. And what does it do? Man, that opens doors to people's hearts and lives. And so can I just encourage us this morning? uh, Preaching the gospel is empowered by prayer. Preaching the gospel is empowered by prayer. That's what we see here. Sharing the word of God is empowered with prayer. We need God to open doors powerfully as we share. And so, um, listen, maybe you're saying this morning, I'm scared. I'm scared to share. I'm chicken. Was that Brock? Brock? Was that? It sounded like a little chicken. That was Cool. Do you know the early church prayed for boldness? Acts chapter 4. They prayed that God would stretch forth his hand and do miracles and heal and touch people's lives and that that God would give them boldness to speak the word of God. 
And what happened? Did God answer that prayer? He sure did. He gave them boldness to speak the word of God. Is that a prayer he's going to answer in your life if you ask him for boldness? Is that a prayer he's going to answer? He is. We got to take that step of faith, though, to do it, to share, to minister. And so look at how he finishes this next couple verses. Walk in wisdom. He goes next to people that we minister to. He says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So Paul now instructs us. He talks about prayer. He asks for prayer. And now he communicates to us how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to live. That's what it means to walk, right? When we're walking, it speaks about our our manner of life, our conduct, how we are to live and to walk in wisdom towards who? What does it say? Those that are where? Those that are outside, outside speaks of outside the church walls, those that are unbelievers, those that, that, that don't know Jesus Christ personally. We are to walk in a certain way and to, to live our lives in a certain way, aren't we, before them? We are. And so Paul says, walk continually in wisdom. And wisdom is not necessarily like street smarts or book smarts. It's Bible smarts. It's taking God's knowledge and walking in it. We're learning on Wednesday nights in the book of Proverbs that God has given us wisdom for every area of our lives. How to do work, um, how we are to tackle life's issues, that we are to work in a certain way, not to be lazy, that we are to be real and genuine, and that, that our words that we speak have the power to, to heal and to help people or the power to hurt people and, and bring pain into people's lives. And we, we're learning that, that not only that, how we're to treat people in the world as well and to deal with one another, how we're to raise our kids. God has given us his wisdom. In fact, he's told us to ask for wisdom when we need it, and he'll give it to us. And so we're to walk in this wisdom that God gives us from his word towards those who are outside. And notice what he says, redeeming the time. What does redeem mean? Buy back? Absolutely. What else? It means to rescue from loss. I mean, how much time do we waste? Do we waste a lot of time? We do. I mean, how much time... Do we, have we burn on those things that are unprofitable? It's like, oh. and, to, and listen, time is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Your life, your next breath is a gift from God. He's given us life and breath and all good things come from him, from, from God. And that includes time. And so Paul tells us here, He says, we're to rescue or buy up the time that God has given us. And so the way way that we treat people outside, according to God, is very serious. God wants you and I to walk with those people. Listen, because we are to be in the world, but but not of the world. Correct? Is that correct? Is that what Jesus said? We're in the world, but not to be of the world. It's like a boat on the ocean, right? That boat is in the water, but if there's holes in that boat, it starts to take on the water, what happens? It sinks. That boat's in the water, 
but not of the water. But if it has holes, it's going to sink and go down. We're, we're in the world, but we're not to be of it. Does that make sense? You guys with me still? Like Jesus. Like, like Jesus was. I mean, we always got to point back to Jesus. Contact without contamination. Does that make sense? Contact with the world without contamination. He went to reach out to people to bring them up, not to be pulled down into what they were involved in. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, to bring life, to help, to bring healing to people, to rescue people. And so God wants us to walk in a way with those who don't know Jesus that they might see something different in our lives, sense something different about us that would draw them to Jesus. They would see something different in us. That is redeeming the time, to buy up the time, to rescue the time, living in a way that honors the Lord, being led by the Spirit, obeying His Word, sharing His Word, communicating the truth and love to people. Listen, time is limited. Time is so valuable. And often we waste it. And the encouragement is don't waste the time he's given us. And people are watching, aren't they? Don't people watch us as Christians? Do you remember before you got saved, maybe? Weren't you watching Christians to see how they do? Some of us even antagonized them or did stuff to them to see if they'd blow it. People are watching you and I to see how we respond, to see how we react, to see how we live, to see if we're legit or not. And people come to conclusions about Jesus by the way we live our lives. That's the, that's, is that a reality or not? It is. And so the encouragement is to walk in God's wisdom. And your life, listen, when you walk in God's wisdom, your life's going to be different. When you and I walk in God's wisdom, when we do things according to the book, it's way different than the world does things. The way you treat people, the way you handle people, the way you care for people, the way you're nice to people. I mean, it, it speaks volumes. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. You're shining in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in the darkness. When you're shining for the Lord, man, people take notice. You're the salt of the earth. Are you the salt of the earth? What does that mean? We got like a little Morton shirt that we wear around? Is that... What does salt do? I mean, think about it with me. What does salt do? Didn't Jesus, first of all, didn't Jesus say that about us? In the Greek, it's you and you alone are the light of the world. You and you alone are the salt of the earth. You, Christian, and I. We're the salt of the earth. What does that mean? What does salt do? It brings flavor. Do you guys like your food seasoned? I grew up in a home where salt wasn't discovered till later in life. And then I met Tanya. I was like, wow, what? this is so well seasoned. It's so delicious. Sorry, mom. Love you if you're watching. But it's our lives should bring some flavor to wherever the Lord has us. What about when you go to the movie theater and they sell you the tub of that yellow-colored, dry, butter, yeah, butter substitute, and you're munching, and it's salt. What does it do? It creates what? It creates thirst. Then you got to go buy a $10 drink, right, because the water fountain's not working. Or you sneak stuff in, and the Lord sees. <laughs> 
No, that's just my own, I'm heaping my own personal conviction. That's, the Lord shows you to do that, go for it, man. <laughs> just don't get popped and say, the pastor told me to do it. <laughs> but it creates a thirst. Is your life creating a thirst? The people say, wow, there's just a joy about you in your life. I think we should be the most chill, most joyful people around. You know what I'm saying? Like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. That stuff, as we're abiding in Jesus, should be flowing and growing. It should be, it shouldn't be, why are you so stressed out? Why are you such a, why are you so harsh? Why you should, why, man, what's going on? Are you a Christian? I, I, I don't want some of that. It, salt creates a thirst. What else does salt do? It preserves. We are a preservative, by the way. Once the church gets removed at the rapture, this world is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Is that a proper? It's going to get bad. Because we are a preservative. In the workplace, you're a preservative. Don't you notice that? So you come, on, you come into the workplace, and people find out you're a Christian, and they're starting to, to say bad words, and then they say, oh, sorry. Sorry for saying that in front of you. That's a preservative. And they try to clean up their language, but they realize they can't because the heart needs to be cleaned. It's a preservative. What else does salt do? It heals. Thank you. You get a cut. You get a wound. You run down to the ocean. You don't run to Galveston, Pacific. (laughs) you You get a sore throat. You get a cut in your mouth. You gargle with salt. Salt water brings healing. Listen, our lives should be bringing healing to people. That's what it says we learned on Wednesday night in Proverbs. That a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, a healing tongue. That's what we have. God's enabled us to have a healing tongue. To bring. I'm not just talking about physical. I'm talking about there's people that are emotionally, mentally, spiritually jacked up that are hurting, that need healing. And you have the answer. The answer is right in the Word of God. The wonderful counselor wants to bring healing to their life, the great physician, and he wants to use you as his instrument in his hands. Are you with me? Still, hopefully. What else does salt do? That, this is the same thing that happened first service, crickets. There's one more thing. I never knew this before. It, it was used in ancient times as fertilizer to make things fruitful. How cool is that? Wherever you go, you're, you have the ability... <coughs> To see fruit happen as you're walking in wisdom, to see fruit grow, man, in your life and in your family and wherever the Lord has you, he wants to use you and he wants to use me. So the first part of verse five talks about our behavior towards those outside and then our words. Let's finish up with verse six. Let your speech, that's what we say, our words always be with grace. What is grace? Undeserved favor and kindness. Kind. You ever see a ballerina that's gr- graceful? It's just, oh, it's not all wonky and clunky and rough or rugged. It's just graceful. Our words should be graceful should be kind, respectful, gracious. But think about that with me. With grace, it's 
undeserved favor, undeserved kindness. Because people say stuff to us, don't they? Bad things sometimes. What do they deserve? Man, something in response. I, hey, you, you poked out my, I'm going to take two. You poke me, I'm going to get you. Correct? Isn't that the flesh? But Jesus, what did Jesus say? When someone slaps you, you're to do what? Turn the other cheek. And that speaks of an insult, by the way. When you're insulted, turn the other cheek. I had a teammate in baseball that said, hey, it only says turn that cheek once. You don't have to turn it a second time. Second time, you throw up those dukes. Isn't that what our Lord did? When he was insulted, when he was maligned, what did he say? Were his words seasoned with grace? With grace always? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The Lord, the Lord is our example of being full of, he is, he is full of grace and truth. And that same one that is full of grace and truth is living in you and living in me. And he wants our words, listen, our words to be what? Number one, to always be with grace. In fact, it said earlier in chapter three that we are to sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. 3.16, singing with grace in our hearts. When there's grace in our hearts, uh, listen, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's grace coming out of us. When we're filled with the Spirit, when we're filled with the Word of God, our words become more and more gracious. When we're walking in wisdom, people marveled at Jesus because of his gracious words. And that same one is living in you and living in me. Well, let's finish the verse. And then it says, seasoned with salt. Here's our salt again. What, is, what does that mean? Should, should I say, just take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt? Is that what it, that means? More flavor. Hey, t- more flavor, more healing, more fruitful. And so the question is, are my words seasoned with salt? Is what I'm saying to people gracious? People should be leaving our conversations better off than when they came. Gracious seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one so that you'd be prepared. Do people come to you with questions ever? No, sometimes. Do you need to know how to respond sometimes? It tells us in Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. There's a preparation. As you're spending time in the word of God, Jesus said, The good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. So we make the word of God our meditation. We make it what we hide in our hearts. It's the thing that we make the most important influence in our lives. And what begins to come out? Again, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. Our tongues are attached to our hearts. And so we say, Lord, here's my life. Use my life for your glory, whether it's in the workplace, at home, at school, And then what begins to happen? He begins to work in your life in a special way. And when we walk in his wisdom, Jesus said, wisdom is justified by her children. We see God's wisdom in action in our lives as we put into practice what he says. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you.